our neighborhood pharmacy. We depend on it for all kinds of things, medication, vaccines, COVID tests. But what do you do when the closest pharmacy is a train and two bus rides away? What impact does that have on your health? For too many Chicagoans, that scenario is a reality. Research shows that there is a dwindling number of pharmacies in some Chicago neighborhoods, and the problem is only getting worse. An investigation by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times looked into the unequal distribution of pharmacies in the city and the impact this has on access to vital health services. Dee Makedo is an associate professor of pharmacy at University of Southern California. She's done extensive research into the prevalence of pharmacy deserts in Chicago, and she joins us now. Welcome back to Reset, Professor. Thank you. And also with us is one of the reporters on the story, Esther Yoonji Kang. She's WBEZ's race, class, and communities reporter. Hey, Esther. Hi, Susie. So, Professor Cato, you coined the term pharmacy desert years ago. What exactly is that? So we, we define uh, pharmacy deserts um, based on distance to the nearest pharmacy for census tracts or neighborhoods uh, in a community. Uh, and we vary that distance threshold based on low income and vehicle ownership for that tract. So if you're in a neighborhood or census tract that is low income and disproportionately more people don't own cars, that threshold is about half a mile. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to travel at least half a mile uh, to get to your nearest pharmacy. For all other neighborhoods, that, so that threshold is one mile. And and you've done extensive research on this issue in Chicago. Um, what were the key takeaways from your research? Well, it, you know, the key finding in our work is that uh, pharmacy deserts disproportionately affect communities of color in Chicago. And it's gotten worse since our first kind of uh, report in 2014. And then we made, kind of did an updated analysis um, and we looked at changes since between 2015 and 2020, and we found that more and more black neighborhoods are becoming pharmacy deserts um, now than they were five years ago and 10 years ago. And are there specific neighborhoods uh, that seem to be hit the hardest? Well, most of the South Side neighborhoods, really. Mm-hmm. We found that more than nearly half of predominantly black neighborhoods um, on the South Side of Chicago are pharmacy deserts or live you know, disproportionately further away from their nearest pharmacy than other neighborhoods in the city of Chicago. Well, Esther, many of us rely on big name chains like CVS and Walgreens to get our medications. What were WBEZ's findings on the presence of pharmacy chains on the south and west sides? Yeah, sure. First of all, it was a uh, challenge to get some of that data from the state's uh, licensing agency. So we actually used store locator information to look at the Mm -hmm. big chains. And so, you know, take Walgreens, uh, for example, it's the largest pharmacy chain in Chicago. There's there's practically one in every corner of the city, but that's not the case um, in in the city's black neighborhoods. And we found that the rate of Walgreens locations per 10,000 residents is nearly twice as high in mostly white areas than it is in mostly black uh, areas. And the West Side in particular is lacking um uh, Dr. Cato mentioned the South Side, but if you look at the West Side as well, uh, East and West Garfield Park, Austin, mm-hmm. it, there's four zip codes in particular mm-hmm. that we looked at 
where there were just five Walgreens for those locations to, for those zip codes to share. Whereas on the north side, there were three zip codes um, in particular uh, in places like Lakeview and Logan Square, where each zip code had six or more Walgreens stores. And so we also looked at CVS and saw that there are, you know, in general, there are just fewer CVS stores in Chicago, Mm -hmm. but less than 14% of its locations are in um, Chicago's mostly black and mostly Latino zip codes. And, you know, in contrast, there were plenty of them in the city's white communities. Our analysis shows that the rate of CVS locations per 10,000 residents is about seven times higher in Chicago's majority white zips. Uh, than it is in majority Black or majority Latino zip codes. And Esther, for residents who uh, needed to access a pharmacy on the south and west sides, uh, you heard from folks who had to maybe go to the neighboring suburb to get their prescriptions filled. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, they we've talked to a number of people who've seen several pharmacies around them close over the years. They can just kind of rattle off the addresses, the corner, uh, the intersections at which this Walgreens closed or that CVS closed. And over the years, um, they've, they've just seen that. And a lot of folks are just having to, you know, uh, drive further and further away. And the people who um, don't have Mm -hmm. a car, that's uh, some, someone uh, we talked to called it an absolute nightmare uh, for folks like that. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. Well, Professor Cato, because of the lack of chain pharmacies on the south and west sides, uh, independently owned pharmacies have become important to communities. Is that the solution here or or, uh, is that easier said than done? So independent pharmacies have always played an important role in um, communities of color and communities that chains uh, decide not to open. Um, But it's becoming harder for them to stay there. I, I think that's part of the problem of worsening pharmacy deserts. If you just compare the last five years, right, in the south and west sides, we saw more communities become pharmacy deserts, and they were otherwise not. And and usually, I mean, for most of these communities, the nearest pharmacy is an independent pharmacy. You know, there's only, right, so they do play an important role, but they can't stay open given the the market right now and the reimbursement rates from uh, public insurers like Mm -hmm. Medicare and Medicaid. And it's been a challenge for them to not only open, but stay open. So they do play an important role, but we need to ensure that they're able to kind of sustain their roles in these communities. Yeah. Well, there was a state program that provided subsidies for pharmacies in rural and underserved areas. What happened there? All right. So you're, I believe, referring to the Illinois Critical Access Pharmacy Program, which was a payment program that provides pharmacies, independent pharmacies specifically located in medically underserved areas, kind of uh, more dollars for Mm -hmm. each Medicaid prescription they fill. And the rationale there really was to kind of offset lower reimbursement rates by increasing um, how much Medicaid pays for each prescription dispensed at the pharmacy. But what we saw there is that of the, you know, pharmacies participating in this program, they're almost all in rural Illinois. Hmm. There's only a handful in Cook County. Um, and I think, you know, maybe one or none in the city of Chicago. Wow. And that is the question is, you know, this is a great program. It's one of the programs that we actually kind of uh, uh, encouraged, you know, years ago, that there needs to be more from the state and 
and federal side in terms of Medicaid and Medicare. Uh, but it's not targeting urban communities mm. of color. Yeah. Some of which are pharmacy deserts, but are not medically understood areas. Um, so more needs to be done to target specifically the communities yeah. in the city of Chicago. Well, also in the story is Howard Bowling. He's an independent pharmacy owner in the Roseland neighborhood. Esther, tell us about his experience. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Dr. Cato mentioned, he's really struggling to stay open, especially during these past few years. Um, He definitely talked about uh, low reimbursement rates. um, And his business was also affected by the 2020 George Floyd protests um, Mm -hmm. that shut down a lot of pharmacies, both uh, chains and independents. And so for bowling, um, he talked to Cheyenne Daniels, my former colleague at the Sun-Times. She's at the Hill now. But um, he told her that, you know, business is hard and he's thinking about retiring. And really the only thing that he feels good about is, is being able to help people sort of one-on-one, um, giving that personal touch as an independent pharmacy. But it, business is just uh, really hard to sustain. Yeah. This is Reset. I'm Susie on in for Sasha Ann Simons. Our guests are Dima Cato, Associate Professor of Pharmacy at the University of Southern California, and WBEZ Race, Class, and Communities reporter Esther Yunji King. We're talking about pharmacy deserts on the south and west sides of Chicago. Esther, pharmacy deserts have been around for years. Uh, why are they significant now? Yeah, there. I think, you know, one of the biggest um, reasons is because even though pharmacies are private businesses, um, during the pandemic, they've become kind of a a big part of the public uh, health response. And so getting tested or vaccinated for COVID, pharmacies do that. And um, even though they're private businesses, they've become part of this uh, sort of public health response. And so they're being relied on to combat a virus, right? And um, also with Supreme Court uh, overturning Roe v. Wade, there's a lot more talk about contraceptives Mm -hmm. and and topics around reproductive rights. And so, you know, here in Illinois, back in uh, January, a new law went into effect and it eases um, access to hormonal contraceptives. Uh, it, It by not requiring a doctor's prescription for things like the pill, the patch, mm-hmm. or, or the ring. And so that makes pharmacies just really crucial in this uh, post-Roe v. Wade um, era. Yeah, definitely. Well, Professor, I'm curious about how pharmacy deserts in Chicago compare to the rest of the country. Is it especially bad in the city here? So when we look at kind of the differences, the inequality uh, or inequities between various communities in Chicago. Chicago is the worst. So the gaps between white neighborhoods, it's about 1% in 2020 of white neighborhoods in the city of Chicago were pharmacy deserts compared to close to half of predominantly black neighborhoods in the city. And that's the worst gap across the country in terms of the, you know, the most populous cities in the U.S. Mm-hmm. We, we focus on 30 cities. Chicago was worse wow. in terms of the disparities between communities of color and white neighborhoods. Well, Professor, uh, areas on the south and west sides uh, here in Chicago also face food deserts. Um, how do pharmacy deserts and food deserts relate? Well, it's all, I, I mean, I think they're related because they're areas that lack essential resources. Um, for food deserts, it's access to healthy food. For pharmacy deserts, it's access to medications, but also increasingly other kind of preventive and emergency services, including contraception. So if we're trying to expand access to um, contraception, uh, like Esther mentioned, in the state of Illinois, like 
we did here in the state of California years ago, if we do not address access to pharmacies and pharmacy deserts, um, and we know there are disparities in contraceptive use and uh, maternal health outcomes and reproductive health outcomes and abortion care, you know, we and we do not address access to pharmacies. Mm-hmm. You know, pharmacies are the ones being kind of encouraged to provide these services, like con- provide contraception without a prescription from an individual doctor. We may worsen disparities in access to yeah. these essential services, which is what we saw during COVID, with COVID, COVID vaccine yeah. disparities. Well, Esther, we mentioned uh, some of the residents you spoke with, um, and some of them are relying more on other services like online delivery to get their medications. But there's some problems with that as well, right? Yeah, and the key word there is some residents, right? I mean, we heard a lot of people here uh, in these communities actually lack access to a smartphone or a computer. Mm-hmm. If it's not access, they lack the know-how. The, they, they don't have the technology um, know-how. And so, you know, a lot of delivery services require online access, online accounts, um, so I'm actually hearing more about elderly people sending their kids or grandkids um, on the bus increasingly further to pick up medications. Um, a lot of people just do not feel comfortable with, uh, you know, online delivery services. Um, in case of immigrant communities, for example, language barriers yeah. are also an issue, right? And mm-hmm. so these are all definitely um, barriers to just not having that pharmacy that you can walk to or, you know, even um, take one bus ride to. And so one community leader we talked to really called the Walgreens and CVS's trusted sources. And so without having them within walking distance, I think a lot of folks, um, especially the elderly, are are really being Mm -hmm. left in the lurch. Well, Professor, um, as we wrap up here, what are your policy recommendations to address this issue? I think one of the key things here is to prevent pharmacies from closing, right? They're already operating and they're opened in these communities. Um, and you want to make sure they, it stays that way, whether they're independents or chains. Uh, you know, I think that's key. And, and to do that, we, you know, there's different ways to do it. Um, but at the minimum, reimbursement rates should increase mm-hmm. for communities serving these um, predominantly publicly insured neighborhoods that have lower reimbursement rates than credit insurance. Yeah. I think that's one. Two is, I think, in terms of pharmacy networks, something that really talk about that is key. Mm-hmm. Uh, pharmacy, you know, when you have an insurance plan, you're often not, uh, you're required to go to certain pharmacies if you want to pay a lower copay. And that's the case with Medicaid, and that's the case for Medicare. And what we see is that more and more often, pharmacies and dependents are even kind of more proximal or closer to people living in these uh, pharmacy desert neighborhoods are often excluded from these networks, yeah. which, which makes it even harder to stay open. Yeah. So they end up closing. So at a policy level, I think these, these are very, very important kind of levers that could be mm-hmm. used. Yeah. Um, so kind of opening networks versus closing them. That's Dima Cato, Associate Professor of Pharmacy at the University of Southern California, and Esther Yunji Kang, WBEZ Race, Class, and Communities reporter. Thank you both. Thanks for listening. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. We've got more for you on the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.